Welcome to another episode of Sales Enablement Live. Uh, this week, we want to do things a bit differently uh, to the last couple of episodes. The last couple of episodes were really focused on uh, Q&As. And uh, what we want to do this week is run you through a, a, a research piece or an analysis that we've conducted around the state of sales enablement. So one of the big benefits that... Um, uh, my business has as uh, being an independent consultant in the sales enablement space is that we can really, uh, without um, worrying about um, our own agenda, um, really uh, curate uh, research insights from all kinds of different sources, you know, no matter uh, which vendor it is, no matter which industry association it is. Um, for us, it's, it's really a way to uh, stay uh, connected to the sales enablement space, um, identify the latest trends. And um, this is something that of course, we share with our clients, um, but I also uh, want to share that with the broader sales enablement community, which is um, why we run through that today. So um, I will share my screen so you can actually um, see my slides. Uh, and yeah, as I said, it's um, the, the, the analysis is called the state of sales enablement, and it essentially combines uh, sales enablement trends, benchmarks, and best practices in 2021. And uh, those are certainly trends that will also um, impact um, B2B sales and sales enablement uh, in particular in 2022. And what we've done here is uh, we've essentially uh, curated uh, research insights from the most reputable research uh, sources around the topic of B2B sales and uh, buyer behavior that's out there. And that includes sources like uh, McKinsey, Miller Hyman Group, uh, sales enablement pro linkedin gartner and salesforce and um the goal for this is uh, not only to understand the uh, the latest buyer behavior and um uh, to analyze uh, what is happening in the sales enablement space but also to provide actionable recommendations to help revenue teams to effectively tackle those challenges and leverage opportunities yeah and so the first part of this presentation is called uh, the inside the long and lonely buyer journey and what we mean when we describe this is that um, especially if you look at the um the software space uh, which is a lot of the businesses that we collaborate with um are dealing with um uh, software budgets have really increased uh, during the pandemic and it's one of the top three categories together with it hardware and marketing and advertising that have increased and um I this is only anecdotal evidence that I can share, but I have co had conversations in markets um, in Australia um, with with business decision makers who said that when they hire uh, sales reps in uh, for their teams, they don't even consider um, their sales performance during the pandemic anymore um, if they have operated in certain areas because it was so easy during the pandemic to actually sell certain software. So you know, if you think about um, customer service software, if you think about uh, conferencing software and so on, those were uh, areas of really heavy investment. But um, what happened at the same time is that the buying process uh, did not become less complex, you know, and uh, now suddenly uh, in, in a lot of countries, especially in Australia, you were dealing with a hybrid work environment. Um, it, it, that varies the degree of hybrid um, work environments really uh, depends on the country and the um, the amount of lockdowns that they had or restrictions that they had in place. But generally speaking, uh, it really remains a challenge to navigate complexity in the buying process. And uh, when you th uh, when you talk to um, the buy side and the seller side, uh, according to LinkedIn State of Sales, 
Uh, 65% of sellers say they always put the buyer first, um, which is what you would expect in those uh, complex buying environments. But only 23% of buyers agree. So there's a really big disconnect between uh, the perception from buyer side and um, the perception from seller side. Yeah. And um, at the same time, when you look at um, the expectations that buyer, buyers have um, in the service that buyer, uh, that sellers provide, um, um, uh, buying B2B buying has really uh, been consumerized um, uh, over time. And uh, this is a stat from Salesforce State of Connected Consumer Report or a State of Connected Customer Report um, that shows that 85% of business buyers um, uh, expect... Uh, or state that the experience the company provides is as important as its product or services. Yeah. So uh, the um, uh, the the expectations in the B two B space um, are much higher than they are in the consumer space, even because um, those B two B buyers can draw from their experience as consumers, but also um, as B two B buyers, and that's why the expectations are so high. So what that means for um, sales organizations is that they really need to make an effort to dynamically align their sales process to the customer's path to meet those um, increased expectations. Yeah, And uh, this is a stat from CSO Insights, uh, which I, I believe is still one of the best um, sales enablement studies um, out there because it really looks at the impact of uh, certain behaviors on win rates and quota attainment. And um, of 19% of uh, organizations that actually dynamically align their sales process to the customer's path, um, those organizations actually see a 17.9% increase in win rates and an 11.8% increase in quota attainment. So uh, that mindset and that uh, customer-centric behavior of constantly revisiting the, um, the buyer journey um, really has an impact on bottom line results. So a recommendation here is to uh, map the buyer journey on a regular basis to ensure buyer centricity in an environment of increased expectations. Now, um, if you think about um, the way sellers and buyers interact these days, it's really important to uh, add value beyond the sales meeting. Yeah, And that becomes uh, increasingly important, especially if you think about or if you look at the stats uh, uh, provided by Gartner, uh, which looks at uh, the time uh, spent by uh, buying groups during the buying process and the amount of time that is actually being spent in face-to-face -face meetings. And only 17% uh, of meeting time is actually spent with potential suppliers. Yeah, The rest of the time is spent uh, researching independently online or offline or meeting internally with the buying group without the seller. Yeah, And um, if you look at the 17% um, meeting time with potential suppliers that really gives sellers a limited window of opportunity to actually influence buying decisions yeah, and uh, uh, add value during this, the, the selling process or the buying process. Um, so if you look at this research uh, piece by McKinsey, um, it also becomes really clear that uh, digital self-serve of information uh, during the sales process is um, really front-loaded. So especially in the um, in the beginning of the buying journey, um, the, the self-serve uh, proportion um, of sellers sourcing information is becoming uh, larger and larger. And you can see here, um, within uh, six months, um, this has significantly increased. And um, uh, but what we then see at the same time is that uh, towards the end of the buying journey, sellers again become more relevant. And um, one of the trends that this uh, stat here shows is really that 
um, the the behavior, the top of the funnel um, behavior that you would typically observe in the marketing space um, also applies to uh, to sales environments. You know, and um, this is really a reflection that. Um, that marketing and sales pretty much merge, and um, the the borders between sales and marketing are really vanishing. And um, the behaviors that you would see or that you would typically model from a marketing perspective also become more and more relevant from a sales perspective. Now, uh, content obviously becomes more and more important if you think about buyers self-serving early on in their journey. And um, again, CSO Insights uh, identified that um, of the 31.8% of organizations that have a sales content strategy, um, those organizations see a, a significant increase in win rates and quarter attainment. So they see an increase of 27.1% in win rates and an increase of 18.1% uh, quarter attainment. And um, this really significantly shifts the needle. And um, if we again look at this uh, slide here, um, it really responds to that need of, of buyers to uh, self-serve information early on in the, in the buying process. Um, and then um, if we again talk about marketing and the capabilities that are available in, ma in most marketing departments, when it comes to content production, um, uh, marketing remains a key partner um, in that uh, journey of uh, providing sell uh, buyers with better content. And um, uh, you know, this, this uh, stat here shows that 38.8% uh, of, uh, of uh, content uh, created for sellers um, is still created by marketing. So this is really a key partnership that is worthwhile leveraging, especially if you don't want your sales team to spend too much time uh, creating their own content. It really makes sense to leverage the uh, capabilities that are already there uh, from a marketing perspective. So again, um, the, the recommendation is to really collaborate with marketing to, to create content that addresses early stage information needs based on qualitative sales insights. So consulting is the new selling, really, um, especially if you think about uh, the um, the increased focus on C-suite buyers. Um, and this stat really shows um, how important it is to, um, to really be able to support buyers in uh, creating a business case. So 93% of uh, B2B buyers require a business case for all technology solutions, right? So that means, uh, this is a step by Gartner, by the way. So that means that only 7% of uh, buyers uh, don't need a business case for all technology solutions or need a business case for some technology solutions, right? So um, it is really safe to say that um, if you're a seller that is able to support a business case for a technology solution, you have a real uh, competitive advantage because you reduce friction uh, for the for the buyer in their journey to creating a um, a business case and making the case uh, for for your technology solution. Yeah, but um, if you actually again compare expectation versus reality, uh, eighty five percent of business buyers expect sales reps to demonstrate an understanding of their business, which is um, um, you know. Uh, pretty clear that it's uh, not optional if you think about the need for creating a business case. You really need to understand the buyer's uh, business well to support that business case. Um, 
But 57% of buyers say sales reps often lack adequate knowledge of their business. So, and um, that's a real big gap here. And um, I can I can only confirm that from uh, you know my own experience uh, being a, a buyer of B2B technology and in past corporate roles and also interacting with sales teams on a daily basis now that there's really um, a, a lack of um, knowledge and business ac acumen um, there. And there's still a real heavy focus on, on features and functions uh, from a sales perspective, yeah, which is obviously a big gap in the way uh, sellers interact with their markets. So I, from my point of view, uh, business acumen is no longer optional. And um, especially if you think about the sort of information that is out there, um, if you do a simple Google search, and um, of the sort of priorities that especially C-suite buyers um, have for their business, yeah. And this is uh, this one here is again a Gartner stat that um, just shows the um, the CEO top strategic priorities for 21, 22. Uh, you know, this this sort of uh, data can be really easily used from a sales perspective to uh, support uh, the the case that you make for your um, technology in the context of strategic priorities um, and. I think it's really safe to say that sellers not only don't have this knowledge, they also uh, don't know how to acquire this knowledge. And, uh, you know, um, I have a lot of conversations with sales teams uh, where I spent an hour on Google uh, researching um, industry trends, um, you know, in the in the markets that they sell to. And um, when I when I share this information um, with the sales team, they they think I'm some sort of industry expert. <laughs> this is really just a simple Google search uh, that I often conduct. And, um, it really shows that Google is a heavily underutilized uh, uh, research source out there, especially when it comes to uh, information about C-suite buyers, which are um, luckily the most well-researched uh, group of buyers out there. So it's really easy to get a, gain a really detailed understanding of their priorities and of the trends that affect their businesses. So... 88% of buyers agree that salespeople they ultimately buy from are trusted advisors. Yeah, So that means uh, those sellers that um, position themselves as trusted advisors, that are industry experts, that understand the trends that really move the needle or impact the businesses uh, from a C3 perspective, they really make the cut. And um, I think it's not uh, th there's no point in arguing about it. It's really no longer optional in, for sellers to acquire business acumen and really become industry experts in the industries that they sell to. Yeah. And uh, sales enablement uh, plays a really crucial role here. Um, if you uh, look at this data here, um, uh, sales enablement um, um, really um, has the potential to shift the needle on that front. So organizations with sales enablement are uh, way more likely to have a strategic contributor or a trusted partner uh, relationship with their customers. Yeah, And um, I think this is... Uh, uh, one of the things uh, that sales enablement can really do is source that information that um, helps brief uh, sellers um, on industry trends and makes it um, easier for them to to lead those conversations on a senior level. And uh, this is also probably one of the most common projects that we currently work on with clients um, to enable um, sellers on that front. So um, the next topic I want to talk about is. Um, why not all coaching programs are created equally. And um, I think there's a broad understanding that coaching really adds value, but um, in which sense is uh, still not, not really clear or how that should be tackled is really not clear to a lot of organizations. Yeah. And 
Uh, McKinsey has uh, run a study that uh, confer uh, that that analyzed um, uh, um, baseline performers versus outperformers, so organizations that um, really outperform their competition and what they do differently. And um, the um, the outperforming companies they they really spend a lot of time coaching their sales staff. So um, um, this. The stat here shows that um, 25 percent of um, of companies that are outperformers um, uh, have sales managers spend more than 50 percent of their time coaching, and um, this is a really significant uh, amount of time spent coaching. But when you think about the purpose of coaching in the sales process, you know, um, it really should always be focused on uh, allowing salespeople to better adopt the sales process and become better at implementing certain parts of the process. Yeah. And um, the coaching makes sense on that front. There's no doubt about it. But um, what really shifts the needle further is a dynamic coaching approach. Yeah. And when we talk about the dynamic coaching approach, um, what we talk about is um, that coaching is, is provided from multiple sources. So um, it's not only the sales manager's responsibility to coach, but um, there are other roles within a business that can contribute uh, to coaching, uh, which is the starting point for a coaching culture. A coaching culture I would generally always describe as a business where everybody's a coach and everybody helps each other out in better getting better at the things that they want to improve. Yeah. And a dynamic coaching approach really enables that. And um, um, the 12, 12.5% of organizations that uh, follow a dynamic coaching approach uh, see a win rate of 55.2% uh, um, compared to a baseline of that study of uh, 45%. Yeah. So there's a significant increase. If you only leave coaching up to um, managers, um, that win rate actually uh, drops below average. So it's actually um, it's important that sales sales managers contribute to coaching, but it um, is it is actually um, it, it actually impacts the win rate negatively. Um, and I suspect uh, that is due to the fact that uh, their time is spent coaching rather than being able to contribute to, to key deals, for example, um, or driving other strategic initiatives within a business. Yeah. So um, it really makes sense to uh, teach as many people within the business as possible to coach, how to coach, um, the principles of coaching, and then develop coaching programs accordingly. So lastly, um, I want to spend some time on talking about how to make sales enablement a strategic asset, which is also uh, from from our experience a, a key to really make sales enablement effective for any organization. And uh, this this stat here shows um, the approach to sales enablement and the impact on win rates. And um, if you um, look at the lower end of the effectiveness, um, this is a random um, sales enablement approach. And I would like to call that a random act of sales enablement. Yeah, And this is really ad hoc, passive sales enablement um, that really only happens uh, if sales um, really demand support and um, if there's an opportunity to support sales. Uh, you know, whoever is in charge of sales enablement jumps on that. Um, and this is often the case in shared sales enablement environments. So that means um, where some resources are kind of responsible for sales enablement, for example, sales managers or marketing managers, uh, but it's not the core focus of their role. Yeah. Um, the 
the next stage you have then is um, the informal approach. You know, that means that there's kind of a uh, some sort of structure around it, but it's still very casual and informal. You then have formal, which brings uh, the average win rate to 50, uh, up to 48%. And then the ultimate uh, way to really be structured about sales enablement and really be strategic about sales enablement is to have a formal approach uh, with a charter that really specifies uh, the responsibility of sales enablement. Uh, which helps to get senior buy-in and really create alignment within the business. And uh, that approach really has the highest um, win rate of the study with uh, 55%. This is another data point from another study from Sales Enablement Pro, um, which pretty much confirms that. So um, um, they have other terminology to describe um, those different stages, but in essence, they're the same. So they go from rea- reactive to manage to optimize to strategic. And what you can see here is that the average run rate um, increases gradually. Um, the more strategic you are about sales enablement, um, the the higher the win rates. Um, on top of that, what we're seeing um, uh, here, according to the study by Sales Enablement Collective, is that um, the um, the strategic relevance of sales enablement increases um, uh, more and more. Yeah, and um, when you when we look at uh, who sales enab- enablers report to, uh, you can see still see that the majority of sales enablers um, are sitting in sales, uh, which makes sense. And in each case, I would always advocate for that because you need to be close to your internal customer and really understand the needs of sales and uh, be be part of the day-to-day. Um, if you're an internal uh, resource looking after sales enablement, but there's also an increasing number of sales enablers who directly uh, report into the senior management at the C-suite. And um, I think... You know, this is not only the case for uh, smaller or mid-sized organizations where uh, senior management and C-suite would be the the sales managers at the same time, um, but this is also increasingly what I see in market um, the case uh, for larger organizations where sales enablement really um, is is uh, seen as a core strategic asset um, that is that is part of the um, that is part of the go-to-market strategy and really is the key to execute on that. Yeah, A small proportion of sales enablers sit in, in marketing, uh, which I think um, is most of the time the case where sales enablement is really heavily focused on content, content creation. We talked about that earlier. And then uh, some of them sit in the product team or product marketing team. Yeah. So generally speaking, uh, you know, if you... If you look at sales enablement um, as a way to execute on a go-to-market strategy, um, which is always really closely aligned to business objectives, uh, suddenly sales enablement is no longer reactive and a fixer of problems, but it becomes a strategic asset. And um, this is really uh, key, according to the data that we looked at, in making sales enablement as effective as it can be. So it really makes sense to align sales enablement with your strategic business goals to build a lasting asset for your business. So um, just to summarize what we talked about today, um, the key takeaways, um, uh, like according to this research that we conducted, um, to set your sales enablement program up for success um, is 
to map the buyer journey on a regular basis um, to meet increased buyer expectations. Yeah, and uh, I really want to emphasize that point. There's a lot of organizations that uh, consider themselves being buyer centric, but there's only um, very few organizations that um, really act like that. And uh, mapping the buyer journey is uh, really the the core piece of the puzzle uh, from a sales enablement point of view to really uh, live and breathe that buyer centricity. On top of that, the lines between sales and marketing really continue to blur, especially in a, a B2B enterprise sales context, which is why um, the collaboration and the content creation is really mutually benefit. Uh, marketing can introduce content creation capabilities uh, to the sales department, and sales can really uh, share that face-to-face uh, -face, uh, customer insight that they generate on an ongoing basis with marketing uh, to make content more effective across all channels. Uh, sellers really need to become industry experts now with a high degree of business acumen to effectively engage the C-suite. And um, this is really no longer optional. Uh, pretty much all buyers need to, to create a business case for all technology solutions. Um, if you are a seller and you don't really understand what sort of business impact you're able to generate uh, with your technology solution, you're really missing out and you're, um, you are missing out on providing value throughout the buying process to the buyer and really reduce friction um, for budgets to be approved and for the case to be made internally for your um, technology solution. A dynamic coaching culture with a focus on sales process adoption um, has really the potential to yield ongoing sales effectiveness improvements. And um, the start of the journey should always be um, sales managers to, be, to become coaches, um, but it should not only be their responsibilities. It's a starting point uh, to really establish a coaching culture. It really makes sense to, uh, to, to teach as many resources within your business to become coaches and to really incentivize that peer-to-peer -be co -peer -peer coaching, which is really required to, uh, to yield ongoing effectiveness improvements. And uh, effective sales enablement is really strategically aligned with overall business strategy defined on the C-level. And um, this part is really important. Uh, sales enablement is no longer a just a support function. It is really a way to strategically um, support the go-to-market strategy and to really um, effectively execute on go-to-market strategies and to really set the sales team up for success. I've seen it too many times that, uh, that sellers are left to their own devices when it comes to executing a go-to-market strategy and it is really not fair to the salespeople and oftentimes uh, leads to friction and to more and more money being thrown at hiring new salespeople. You can get so much more effectiveness out of your existing sales team if you really um, are strategic about sales enablement and really support them um, in the execution. Yeah, and um, those are the insights that I wanted to share with you um, today on the state of sales enablement. Um, do you guys have any questions um, that you want me to respond to? Farouk uh, says, uh, thank you, such a great session. Any possibility we can get a copy of this Prezo? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, I will share that with you. Um, the recording of the session will also be um, uh, available on YouTube and uh, the State of Sales Enablement podcast if you're not already subscribed. And um, yeah, we will share a link to this presentation. Uh, Jack says, thanks, Felix. Great content and lots to think about. Uh, thank you so much, Jack. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, I, yeah, as I said, I think, um, you know, any sales enabler, I would recommend um, go through that sort of process uh, for their target market. 
um, to enable their sales team also to better understand um, the space that they're dealing with. We do that um, because we want to better interact with our target market, which is uh, sales enablement department and senior business leaders. That's why we create that sort of uh, presentation. But um, again, I think that can be applied to any any sort of business, no matter if you uh, sell enterprise uh, technology software, if you're in the medical space, uh, I think any B2B uh, sales team can benefit from this sort of analysis. And yeah, thank you so much, guys, uh, for attending today. Uh, we're running out of time. Um, again, I would recommend um, anybody listening to this to uh, subscribe to the Sales Enablement podcast or to attend future Sales Enablement live sessions. Uh, thank you so much for your time and I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the State of Sales Enablement podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe in your favorite podcast player. If you want to learn more about sales enablement, you'll find a growing number of articles, videos, and templates specifically for enterprise technology businesses at kruegermarketing.com slash learn. That's K-R-U-E-G-E-R marketing.com slash learn.